Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur. Can you tell that my voice is still a little bit uh, nasal? Nasal, is that how you say? Nasal, coming from the nose? I mean, I, I got this cold more than one week ago and I, I'm still kind of... I still feel the side effects of it. It's crazy. Anyways, it's going to be a very packed episode today. Yeah. Even though we spoke last Thursday, so many things happened in the meantime. So many things. Starting with the conference, I told you, on Friday and Saturday, my first time speaking in a real conference about indie hacking. And I will tell you all about it. What I was able to learn, how did the talks go, everything. So I think that will be really, really interesting. Then I will also speak about this new phase that I'm going through now, trying to find a job that's a side job, let's say, right? Indie hacking is my full-time job, but a side job that brings a little bit more money and uh, how I'm preparing things, how, how is that process going? And uh, I will also speak a little bit about the community, what I'm doing around it and some other projects like the Indie Lottery and other ideas that are always popping up in my head. So it's going to be a really packed episode. Let's not take more time out of this intro. Let's just get started. So as I told you, I believe last episode, I used to be really, really afraid of flying. It was a total phobia it would really affect my life because I would always try to avoid it. I would avoid doing something that I love, which is traveling, because I didn't want to fly. I would always try to take the car. Eventually, I was able to overcome this phobia, which was, for me, one of the biggest achievement, achievements, personally, that I, that I was able to, to achieve. And I even I even made a video, I believe I told you last um, in the last episode that I would share this video with you, but then I forgot to add it to the show notes, so I'll definitely add it to the show notes of this episode and the past episode. And in this video, I basically go through the process of overcoming this phobia. So if you have a phobia like this, and, and it's don't be ashamed, because a lot of people, I think one in every four people are afraid of lying, maybe this video will help you, I don't know. But spoiler alert, what really helped was flying a lot. Uh, there was a lot of other nuances, a lot of other things that definitely contributed, but like flying a lot uh, and forcing myself into that situation really, really helped. And of course, when I was really afraid, the most critical parts were taking off, landing and turbulence. After taking off, you know, I would be all sweaty, but then the plane would level off, would hit the cruise altitude and cruise speed, and things would calm down. But do you think I would get calm? No, I would always be on edge. I would always thinking, when will the turbulence hit? Will it be severe? I, would, I was always very, very tense and nervous. I couldn't enjoy the flight because of that. Eventually, after going through a lot of uh, turbulence, some severe, well, I never got really, really severe turbulence, but some more severe than others, I realized that it's fine. It's okay. It's part of the flight, but will not bring the plane down. And that really helped me prepare myself for the other times where turbulence would hit the plane. And now, now that I'm getting more users coming to the community, finally, I, I feel that I'm getting back to those uh, July numbers or like even, even before. 
I, I'm getting the same fear, the same fear that I used to have when I was flying. I, I see everything coming down and we are in this smooth flight with the community, with people joining and not a lot of people leaving, that I'm always afraid that the next turbulence will hit and I will see people dropping and not people coming. So I'm, I'm somehow paranoid that this could happen again. And uh, as and I, I know I know that you, that you like this this kind of comparisons that I do, and in this case it's actually the same, right? So I just need to go through a lot of turbulence, you know, a lot of turbulence in in my in my community to know that it's okay that the community will still fly because I created a robust business, a, a business that people love, a business that. Uh, does not re rely on one or two users, right? Because people pay 10 bucks per month, which is, of course, an amount that I really appreciate, but it's not a life-changing amount, right? So if one or two people leave, this will not change my lifestyle, right? Uh, the same if two or three people join. <laughs> That's kind of the problem as well. But the benefit of relying on so many users is that as long as we have a great product and some people leave, it's okay if they leave because it won't affect that much. So the turbulence is never that severe. But still, I, I sometimes really feel like I'm I'm in an airplane. I like feeling okay now it's fine, but when will it hit? And it hit today. By the way, today was such a crazy morning. I I wake up and I will not give any names or anything. I'll just tell you kind of. Summarize summary summary of what happened. I wake up and I go to the Slack channel and I see that there's a thread with 90 replies and I think, whoa, this is really cool. People are really engaged, but it was not cool. It was not cool at all. There was a fight going on. People were just uh, fighting at each other around a specific topic, and uh, two particular members were kind of. Uh, in an aggressive discussion. And I thought, okay, this is not cool. This is not... This looks like Reddit, to be honest. And uh, Reddit, I know there's some people that love Reddit. And Reddit... I, I've got gotten great tips from Reddit. But most of the times, people are really aggressive. And I always thought it was because uh, they... It was anonymous. But in this case, this of course, it, it didn't reach the reddit levels because again the fact that it's anonymous people just go crazy but it was really uncomfortable for the other members and for the people involved in this discussion in the end both of the members decided to leave the community because they didn't feel welcome they they didn't feel they wanted to be in a community where a discussion like this would happen this was devastating for me um because it's the first time that people actually left the community because of an argument. It's not something that I it was somehow generated by me. It's not a bug. It's not something that I forget forgot to do. It's just something normal, right? When humans, when a lot of humans are together, discussions happen. But the fact that these members just left without giving us a chance to repair things, I don't know. It was really, really shit. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't feel good. 
Anyways, life goes on, and I have to think about it as, as a business. And again, it's two people that, that are leaving, but then uh, just today, another person just joined, right? So it's, it's turbulent, it happens, but I just need to get used to this, because this will always happen, and I just need to make sure that I'm flying a steady airplane. And as long as I'm flying a steady airplane, I'd, I, I should not fear turbulence. And that's kind of my intro lesson today. Hopefully this is a situation that will not happen very often. How can I fix this? How can I avoid this kind of arguments in a community? Great question, by the way. Thank you very much. I don't know. It's something that I have to figure out. One, one thing for sure is to cultivate the right values. Uh, of course that I can add moderators, or I can moderate it myself, I can create some automation that detects, I don't know, does some AI sentiment analysis, which, which is possible, and detects when a certain post is going in the wrong direction and tries to correct it by sending people to the guidelines of the community or something. But the most important thing is to cultivate and educate the members for the values that I want this community to be. I want this to be a positive, constructive community where... People are not against each other or aggressive towards each other. They are supporting each other. And, and the idea is that we all grow together. So one thing that I need, and I've been delaying this for so long, I need to write down the values of the community because I always think, okay, it's still not necessary. Everyone, we are still small. Everyone knows the values, but, you know, it's growing and to make it scalable, I need to write down. And one thing that I'll probably will do is to gather a few of the members and we can write them together. I think this will be really, really fun. And uh, educate the members, making sure that uh, people know that this is not an acceptable behavior. And of course, maybe this automation, this kind of bots could also help. But that's just a small percentage. I think that the culture of the community is really the most important thing. And also, I need to accept. Sometimes this will happen. And um, hopefully it won't affect the other members. It, it just happens sometimes. You know, people have very different personalities. And uh, when you put everyone together, this is uh, bound to happen. Anyways, that's it for this not-so-positive um, incident. Now let's speak about the conference. It, the conference was called Future Works, and it's about the future of work, <laughs> like the name says, which was a lot around remote work and four days work week and everything. So um, let me just go back to tell you how I got invited, how I got the invite to be speaker in this conference. It was because of the podcast. Um, one um, one of the sponsors, so uh, his name is Miguel, is the co-founder of a company called iMatch. And he reached out to me, I believe because he was listening to my podca podcast and uh, we connected and eventually said, okay, there's this conference, my company is sponsoring, do you want to be a speaker? And that's it. And uh, it was really, really fun. First of all, I get there and I go to a separate check-in, I go to the speaker's check-in, <laughs> which is really, really cool. And I get the badge, the badge that says speaker. I have to say, I was so proud. I was so proud. I was always like showing my, my badge around. And you know what this badge gave me access to? It gave me access to the VIP rooms. Yeah, I was a VIP for the first time in my life. So there was a speaker's lounge 
which was like an uh, isolated area where we had like coffee, mini pastel nata, mini croissant, fruit, water, everything it was so cool. And, and even cooler than this was the fact that all the speakers were there. So it's a great, great way to network. We could just be there and get inspired by all the speakers stressly getting their uh, their conference or their talks ready. And uh, some of them didn't didn't want me to speak with them because they were so stressed. Like, please, let, let me finish my talk. I need to go in five minutes. But others, especially after their talk, they were much more chilled and we got to speak. Uh, one interesting conversation I had there was with uh, the CEO or... I'm not sure if he was the CEO, but he worked in a, a company that uses augmented reality in factories. Uh, so imagine like a car company, someone is like an assembling line or assembling a car and they would put these like VR glasses and they would see where each piece should go. And it was really, really interesting. I, I didn't know. And he even told me that they, they already have clients. This is not a proof of concept. They have clients using this in production. So it was really cool. This same person also did a talk about Metaverse and then about the future of Metaverse. I, I don't want to go there today in this uh, episode, but I, I found this so interesting that now there's actually real estate being sold in the Metaverse. Anyways, I had two appearances or two talks in, in, um, in this conference. The first one was not really a talk. The first one was a panel, a panel of discussion. The cool thing it, it was that it was in the in the main stage, so a lot of people were there, and uh, we got the mics. The mics were like you know these like really pro mics that you even have like this little recording box or whatever that is, and you attach it to your pants, and then it's it's kind of a headset. It's it's really really cool. It looks super super professional. So we entered, we sat down. It was three of us plus one journalist, and this journalist was asking questions and. The questions were around the culture and time zones in, in companies and, and communities. And of course, that I gave the example of the WB community because we have people literally from all over the world. And uh, I have some experience. And I told that the, the, biggest, the biggest issue was definitely to make sure that we could have the synchronous events because we have people from, again, so many different time zones. But in general, it was an interesting discussion. I, I don't think that it brought a lot of uh, relevant information. It's just a, a discussion, you know? So it's it's not like a presentation where you really teach something. Here are just people discussing things and then a bunch of people listening to it. But in general, I was nervous because I, I didn't know what to expect. I think that that was the biggest issue here. I I only got nervous about maybe 30 minutes before when I really knew, okay, it's it's about to happen. But then I just didn't know what were the questions and if I would be able to answer. The, the hardest question I got was, how can we train leaders to, to work remote and, and to cultivate a, a nice remote culture? And, and for me, like I, I don't know how we can train leaders for that. So I, I tried to come up with an answer and my friends told me it was okay. Um, but it was definitely the, the hardest question. In general, it was a really, really cool experience. And that was basically day one. In day two, oh no, let me just tell you one more really cool thing in, that happened in day one. I got to to have lunch for free. Uh, it was like a, for speakers. And the cool thing is like, imagine like a, a conference. 
filled with people, and then everyone had to go to the food trucks that they were waiting outside to serve food. And then I would go to this like little corridor, and there was someone with a list, and they're like, what's your name? And I said, Tiago. Okay, you can come in. And suddenly I'm in this kind of fancy restaurant with a buffet and waiters and uh, nice food. And I thought, woohoo, <laughs> that's the life. That's really the life. So I really, really enjoyed that part. I really enjoyed those perks. And again, it's a great opportunity to do some um, networking because I got to speak with very interesting people. I spoke with a vocal coach, someone that actually told me that I, I can learn how to sing, <laughs> even though I thought that it was impossible. Like, I have such a terrible voice. And one thing, interesting thing that he told me, by the way, I don't know if you're interested in this, but one thing that he told me is that uh, knowing how to sing, people think that it's all about controlling your vocal cords, but actually it's more controlling your hearing. You know, when you're playing the guitar, for instance, you know which chords you're playing. And if you play the wrong chord, you know, because you can look at it. But you cannot do the same with your vocal chords. You cannot look at your vocal cord and say, yeah, that's not uh, an A, that's uh, E or something. So you need to know how, to, like, you need to identify your vocal cords, a real, like, chords and notes. You need to identify them with your hearing. And if you do that, then you know if you are doing it right or wrong. So that was a really interesting thing. And also from that conversation popped, came to my head one idea uh, around, um, around helping musicians. We discussed that in Portugal, the music, music culture is terrible. Like we, I was just in, in Scotland and there's so many bars, so many like live music bars. It's amazing. And here people, people don't pay for this. People only pay for foreigner uh, big deal musicians like Coldplay, for instance, that they sold out three dates in like two hours. But for artists, local artists, people don't like to pay. So we were like kind of bouncing ideas on how to solve the situation with an app or something. So it was really, really cool. Now, the second day, the second day was the most important day because it was the day of my talk. I had a talk ready and sent to them beforehand. So I didn't have to bring anything. I just need to be there five minutes before to get ready. I I started getting nervous again 30 minutes before, uh, but it was was not too bad. I got mic'd up and uh, in this time I was not in the in the big stage, so there was actually not that many people there. But uh, the lights, like it was much more cozy. Whereas when I was in the big stage, like I couldn't even see the audience because of the lights. Here I could like really see them. So that was probably the hardest thing. And, and my, my biggest improvement point is my posture because I entered in the stage and I, I didn't know where to look. We had like this little monitor in front of me where I could see the slides. So I was basically always looking down, which was not very pleasant and very engagement, engaging, engaging, <laughs> engaged. I don't know. You, you understand, right? So next time I really need to focus on a spot on the audience and, and try to like look towards them and not towards the monitor. Besides that, I think it went great. I was able to say everything I want to say. I was able to crack some jokes. In the end, I was faster than the 15 minutes. So I still had like two minutes and I thought, okay, I only have, to, I still have two minutes. There's, uh, we cannot do any questions. What shall I do? And I tried to come up with like some inspirational uh, speech to close the talk. Like, ah, if you want to, Take control of your life. You need to be an indie hacker kind of thing. 
One thing that really was really, really cool, just immediately after the talk, I got three people approaching me. And one person told me, wow, Tiago, I didn't know I was an indie hacker until now. And, and that, that was so, so cool. Because there's so many people that have this, this urge to create their own stuff. But they, they don't want to get investment. They don't want um, to do it in the VC way. So they, they, they don't know what they are, actually. Where do they fit? So this person, she told me that um, she was like feeling really lonely because, yeah, she didn't know there was a community out there, a community of indie hackers. So that was really, really cool. And then two other people came and asked, asked uh, questions to me. So that, that was really, really interesting. One question that, um, that was asked was, Tiago, why do you prefer doing indie hacking and not uh, VC? Why not trying to raise money? And I don't know, this question kind of caught me off guard, even though, I don't know, it, it, it should be a question that I would be able to answer right away. But I, I don't know, I don't have a proper answer. It just I just prefer, but I, I don't know the real reason. So after now a few days, I, I kind of thought about it and I, I think I know the answer a little bit better. So the first reason, the first reason why I bootstrap is because I don't know what to do with the money, especially in the beginning when I was starting Change It, for instance. I thought, okay, maybe I should try to raise money, but then I thought, but what would I do with the money? I mean, uh, I, I I don't know where I would apply it because the things that uh, I need to do, I don't need money to do it. I can just build it. So why would I give equity to do something that I can just do myself? So I think that was the, the main reason why I, I bootstrapped because I prefer having uh, more control over the company. But then I kind of realized that it, there's more to it because I, I want to do the business my way and I want it to be a lifestyle business. And funny enough, one of our members, one of the community members, her name is Kavia, and I interviewed her here and everything. Uh, she has a really cool product called Resume that allows you to create resumes using Markdown. And she got approached by Sequoia, which is uh, a, venture, a venture capital firm that basically invests in these companies. And they had a talk. The talk was very interesting, but then she shared in the community her thoughts. And there, there's one, one thing that she says that I, I totally, totally agree, which is, I will just read what she said. I realized our motivations for business are very, very different. The reason for me working in Resume Pro is to have freedom in terms of time and financially as well. For them, it's about scaling the business to a multi-million dollar company, obviously. So it's just a different mindset, right? The mindset of VC companies is to make something huge, to make the next Google Whereas for us, indie hackers, we want to make a lifestyle business, something that also changes people's lives, but that also somehow gives us the lives we want. We don't want to... One other thing that she says, by the way, is that she, she feels that she would have two bosses. One would be the venture, like the investors, and the other one would be the client. So in the end, she does not have full control over the company. So I think in the end she prefers to, to bootstrap because that's, that's really the way uh, she wants to go. And, and for me, it's the same. 
I just want to have more control over my business and I want it to do it my way and I don't want it to consume my whole life, even though so far it's doing that. But I want to be able to take vacations and change things if I want to, to be more flexible. So here is the reason why I, I prefer bootstrapping to uh, inv get, getting uh, investors. One last thing that I learned from this conference was what is the biggest challenge for companies at the moment? Because there was a lot of companies there, uh, they were trying to hire, they were trying to basically showcase their company. And I would go there and I would always ask this, like, what is your biggest challenge? This is a very entrepreneurial question to make, by the way, because I'm always trying to find new ideas. So I asked this to a lot of companies and all of them said that is hiring and retaining people. And I was like, how come this is a problem for everyone? It's crazy. Like, especially in the tech world, there is a huge shortage of people and people are just always bouncing around from company to company so it's really hard to retain talent so i don't know this this kind of makes me think that maybe there's something here that we can do and one of my ideas was to somehow partner with a lot of recruiting companies and tell them okay we have indie hackers here in the community people that are looking for two three three days jobs and uh, if you if you pay or even if you don't pay i don't know uh, it was just cool to do the connection so that the people in the WB space could focus on their projects but still have some gigs that would provide them with the money they need to, to pay their bills. So that, that was one of the ideas that, that came. Uh, one interesting thing, one interesting concept that it seems to be growing is the concept of the four days week. So instead of working five days, you only work four days. And some companies are already offering this as a perk to their employees. So this was really, really interesting. And that's it. That's my recap of the conference. I hope it was interesting and not too boring for you <laughs> to basically share everything that happened. But uh, yeah, besides that, I've been already having a few talks with people uh, around uh, to try to find a suitable job for me. Uh, I, I still need to invest much more time. I, I had one talk with uh, with Matthew, which works for a recruiting company, and he also works for a kind of a startup that they were looking for a CTO, which I thought it was cool, but they want a full-time CTO. So yeah, I just did a fractional kind of job. And I will have also a few talks with um, the, the founders of my previous startup, the startup where I work for, Weekend. They are now doing something new, and maybe that's a possibility there. And besides that, I have nothing else planned yet, but I need to start sending applications and I will let you know. I will let you know if I find something cool. And regarding the Indie Lottery, just, just to finish this, I, I don't want to take much more time of you, but the Indie Lottery is doing great. I Well, it's going a bit slower than I thought. I've been basically working, as I told you, like with Tailwind and Gatsby and putting everything together that João made with um, with Figma. I I don't know. For, for me, I used to use Bootstrap a lot to, to do my CSS, but uh, now I'm using Tailwind because everyone is speaking about Tailwind. It has a learning curve, for sure. 
because now instead of using CSS, I use classes. And uh, I don't know if I'm completely sold to Tailwind for this kind of format. I Maybe for like if you have templates and stuff, that would be really cool. But for this kind of format, I'm still not completely sold. I will continue doing so using Tailwind. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, we are still in the process of uh, coming up with, with uh, the product itself. Well, we have an MVP that is running so far. It's doing great. We are always around the 180 people. So not a lot of people are joining, but also not a lot of people are leaving. So we're always like, sometimes goes to 178, then goes back to 180. So it seems that it's a cool product and I, I use it as well. I see what uh, products are out there. So it's really cool. Uh, and I don't know if you can make money out of it, but Joan is also doing some kind of UX UI research around it. So I'll keep you posted. There's not a lot of news there, but it's not forgotten and we are still working on it. And that's it. That's it for today's episode. I'm sorry if it was a little bit too long. This Thursday, there'll be a great, great interview for you with, with the founder of Notion Forms that is already making more than 100k MRR per month, per month, per 100k ARR, so 100k per year. And uh, it's going to be really, really cool. Make sure to tune in for that. And uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can buy our amazing merch at store.wannabe-entrepreneur.com pot <laughs> point point com you can also become a member of wb space ten dollars per month or you can just like shoot me dm tweet about it send this podcast to all of your indie friends do all of this that would be great this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time Turns out that everyone can sing.